Welcome to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a Presbyterian USA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. That's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. So you just heard me a few seconds ago talk about power, that we're going to talk about power all month long. And so I've chosen a bunch of scripture readings that are about power. And this one specifically talks about putting on armor. Do any of you ever go to school wearing armor? You feel like you want to wear armor going to school. It can be a tough place sometimes, right? Not everyone is always nice to you, and sometimes it feels like you need a little extra protection. Well, listen, listen to what the scripture reader talks about, scripture writer talks about in terms of the the armor that we might put on. So it begins this way, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of God's power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the evil one. Our struggle is not against enemies of flesh and blood. It's not against other people. It's against rulers and authorities, against cosmic powers of darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand and stand firm. So stand and Fasten the belt of truth around your waist. Put on the the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to go around and proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the flaming arrows of the evil one. Wow. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Put on the whole armor of God when you go out into the world. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, there are some scriptures that we just love, and then there are the other kind. And I have to admit that this, for me, is one of the other kind. I have always uh, walked the other direction from this passage about spiritual warfare and the army of God, but when we're talking about power, I thought it might be a good place for us to begin You probably are aware that there are Christians in the world, maybe some of you who take this passage literally, that that some Christians believe that there are supernatural demons and angels that inhabit our world and that they get inside people and get inside things. For our friends in Christ who believe this way, it's natural to think that part of the Christian life is a kind of spiritual warfare. Now, I assume that many of you here today are also aware, at least somewhat, of the 
the dangers in this kind of thinking. The primary danger, of course, is that that religious leaders often will call things demons when they simply don't understand them. I'm thinking now about the way we've often treated women and men who self-identify as gay or lesbian and have been demonized for that identity. Even today, being pro-choice could be seen as having demons. You understand what great harm this can do to the person who is demonized in this way. There is a a long, long history of, of Christians demonizing others whom they do not understand. The other danger, of course, is that this kind of thinking can foster a lethally dualistic worldview. Us and people like us are good. People not like us are evil. So we modern Christians and postmodern Christians, some of us, don't believe that demons float around in the world around us. But the problem is, I think, that when we got rid of the demons, we unwittingly lost some of the wisdom in this ancient worldview. If you dismiss a world that is inhabited by evil spirits, you may lose some of your capacity to name evil at all. Even worse, you may lose your facility your ability to oppose the evil that makes its home among us. So I want to ask us to read this passage from Ephesians again today. It's about spiritual warfare. It's about putting on the armor of God, and let's see if we can make it make some kind of sense for the world that we share together. In order to do this, I want to introduce you to someone. Let's put up his picture now. His name is Walter Wink. He's a good-looking man, isn't he? Wink was born in 1935. He died in 2012. He was a New Testament scholar trained at the finest theological institution in the world, Union Theological Seminary in the city of New York. Sorry, (laughs) just had to get that in. Wink, uh, Wink was a profoundly influential scholar. He did groundbreaking work in several areas. He created a, a magnificent conversation between modern psychology and biblical studies. He reimagined the relationship between homosexuality and Christianity in a, in a positive sense. He did extraordinary work to rediscover the nonviolent life of Jesus. He coined the phrase, the myth of redemptive violence. Out of all the marvelous things that Wink did with the scriptures, I want us to remember today his work on the biblical vision of power. So Wink knew his Bible, right? And he knew that the spiritual powers are all over the New Testament. He just didn't know what to do with them. Personal demons floating around in the air didn't align with his understanding of physical reality, but nor was Wink willing to be satisfied with the modern view that material reality is all that there is. He thought spiritual powers were indeed very real. So leaning on the work of some of the 20th century's great philosophers and theologians, people like Carl Jung, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, Thomas Berry, Alfred North Whitehead, Wink said that reality, according to this image, right, you see a a summary of it, according 
according to uh, this image, reality has both material and spiritual dimensions that are combined. Reality has a visible outer nature and an invisible inner nature. Spiritual powers exist within and as a part of our material world. Spiritual powers are in everything. Especially, Walter Wink said, spiritual powers exist in social groups and institutions. If we look around, Wink said, we will see spiritual powers everywhere. This is a quote from one of his marvelous books. They staff our hospitals. They run City Hall. They sit around tables in our corporate boardrooms. They collect our taxes. They head our families. But spiritual powers are more than just the people who run things. They are the systems themselves. The institutions and structures that weave society into an intricate fabric of power and relationships. So are you with me so far? Are you following? Yes? Give me a sign, right? Spiritual powers exist in social groups. And Wink says these powers are absolutely necessary. They are often useful. We can do nothing, he says, without them. They are the source of much good in our world. Amen? But, he says, they are also the source of unmitigated evils. According to Wink, right, and this is a deeply biblical worldview, God creates everything. Every creature and every social group and institution, therefore, has a divine calling. Our calling is to support human flourishing and contribute to the common good. People are made to love and be loved. Families are are spaces for mutual support and belonging. Governments and corporations exist to serve the common good. Churches exist to make beloved community on earth real. But if any of these things is drawn away from its divine calling, it can become demonic. Evil is not just someone who does something bad. Evil is also an institution operating with a spirit that is contrary to the spirit of its created purpose. Do you know what he's talking about? I think you do, right? I think you've all experienced the spiritual powers at work in our institutions. Many of us this very same week saw an institution using its power in a way that made us ask, what in the world is going on over there? How can a government that exists to protect and serve its citizens cover for a politician who breaks his oath of office and breaks the public trust. Walter Wink would say these are demonic powers at work. Powers that convince public servants that what is good for them is more important than what is clearly right. One another example. Anybody know where this picture is from? Flint, Michigan. In Flint, Michigan, there was a series of what can only be called sinister decisions made by people in power. And those decisions ended up sending water with with 50 times the EPA's recommended level for lead, essentially toxic waste. This water got sent into taps 
for children to bathe in and to drink. And then after it was exposed, the people in power denied it and covered it up and still kept charging the citizens of Flint for this water. I think that's demonic. Businesses and corporations, right, exist to serve the common good. How do you explain then Exxon? Selling a product they know is destroying the planet itself. Could that be demonic? Demonic spirits can get inside of cultures too. Take, take, uh, take the American dream, right? Our, our dream of prosperity and opportunity and white picket fences. But under closer examination, it's a dream offered to some and not to all. A dream built on top of an ideology of white supremacy. You know, you can say spiritual powers are imaginary, that they're not real, but I, I find it just as foolish to, to turn a blind eye to malevolent forces at work around us that are actively destroying our world. If power is the ability to make something happen, to make someone do something, we see power all the time. And when, when power makes someone think my good is more important than the common good, that's demonic. When power tells reassuring lies that we take as truth, that is demonic. When power makes things happen that violate the basic goodness and wholeness and thriving of God's creation, it is foolish to call that anything less than demonic. I think you know that there is a kind of a struggle in this life that all of us face. And the writer of Ephesians says it is not a struggle against enemies of flesh and blood. That means it's not really against other people. It's a struggle against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So the advice of this writer to this community is simply to be ready, right? To know that, that these powers are out there in the world. And wear a belt of truth, he says, right? That doesn't mean be some know-it-all smarty pants. It means be curious and open. Never stop learning and growing. Be self-critical and be humble. But never let your humility prevent you from speaking out when demonic spirits are doing harm to you or those you love. Put on a breastplate of righteousness, right? Wear justice every day. Be decent, be fair in all of your dealings. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Put on shoes, the writer says. Shoes that allow you to proclaim the gospel of peace. I take this to mean you can't just sit at home and spread peace on your Facebook page. You might have to show up to Senator Perdue's office, or to the night shelter, or to the penitentiary when our state chooses to execute another beloved child of God, or put your shoes on and go to the city commission meeting when they say they can't afford affordable housing. Put your shoes on 
And take a shield of faith to protect you. Jesus did say, right? Jesus did say this. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all manner of things about you for my sake. Walter Wink would say demonic spirits in our institutions will not be pleased to see you messing around in their business. Be courageous and have a shield of a strong faith. Wear the helmet of salvation, the writer says. Just remember, this is not just about you. It's not about your own self-aggrandizement. It's about seeking the common good. It's about the healing and the wholeness of the whole creation. Confronting the powers is about the reconciliation of the whole world. Wear the helmet of universal salvation. And take the sword of the Spirit with you, the living word of God Even the devil knows how to quote scripture, so it's not enough to just know your Bible. This writer wants you to let the words of scripture dwell in you richly. Let the word that was in the beginning, that was God and is God, that is the light and life of all people, let the word of God dwell in you. I know some of you are still not buying it, right? You you just, you just can't deal with this war imagery, even laced as it is with ironic pacifist undertones. The important thing to remember is that scholars who have worked on this text will be quick to remind you that Ephesians is written by a profoundly vulnerable community of people. Right? It's, a, it's, it's a letter that comes out of a group of people who face an overwhelming power in the form of the Roman Empire. And I suspect that the great gift of this text comes to you and me when when we put our bodies and our spirits in places where we are actively engaging the demonic forces in our world. When you and I feel worn down and beat down and frustrated and despairing because the powers and the principalities are so strong. I mean, if you ever tried to engage the machinery of government to get it to move toward justice and seeing how much influence that money buys in government, you feel the truth of this text. If you've ever spent time in communities where people don't have enough to get by day in and day out and and walked with folks who are struggling and felt just how hard it is to be poor in our world today, I know you felt demonic powers. If you've ever walked into a prison and wondered how anyone inside there holds on to their life, you have felt the power of the demonic. You spent time in any under-resourced school and tried to help the kids in that school believe that they are special and gifted in the face of society's obvious message that they are not, you have felt the power of the demonic. If you've ever worked for a second on environmental issues in the state of Georgia, you have felt the power of the demonic. And it can wear you down and drive you into a deep place of despair because the powers are real. And they are up to no good. Here's the last thing I'll say this morning. The writers of the New Testament who wrote 
who wrote a lot about spiritual powers. These writers knew demonic powers. They, they saw them all around these huge, grotesque institutions that exercise power through violence and fear and domination. And still, they wrote about hope. These writers of the Bible that you and I have, these writers had seen something and felt something and knew something about the power of God. They wrote about this power, a power so great that it could make, they said, of this world a new creation, a power that could make all things new. And they wrote about the power in Jesus. And how Jesus faced the demonic powers of the world. And, and even with all of the power of God within him, Jesus was scared against the demonic powers. And they wrote that the power of the world did its best to humiliate and diminish and destroy Jesus. And Jesus didn't fight back. He didn't use the same power against them. He absorbed it and he was crucified. And the demonic powers chalked up another victory until God had one more power left to show. There is a power. There is a power our tradition affirms that is greater than every crucifying power in the world. There's a power so great that it can make all things new. There's a power so great it can reconcile all things. No manner of evil can resist this power. There's a power so great, the writer of Romans says, that, that, that nothing, not death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation can ever lay claim to you again. There is a power that gets things done, that accomplishes all things. Scripture is very clear. This power is the power of the love of God. It comes to us in Jesus Christ. This power is yours. This power is ours. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Let the people say, Amen.